Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. This is what I want to get into. God doesn't love you more because you obey. So it's not like, oh, God's going, well, Adam had a, you know, he's behaving this week. You know, he's like, he's doing all right. So I just love him a little more this week. This is not a performance review. Okay? But here is the truth. The truth is that you experience more of God's love for you if you participate with him. Okay? So God doesn't go, God does not live in reaction to me. I'm not that big. <laughs> you know, some people are like, I don't want to miss God. He's not that small. God does not live in reaction to if I'm feeling cranky or, you know, if I'm, you know, grumpy or, or whatever or frustrated or extra happy, you know. God does not live in reaction to me. God responds to me based on how I respond to him. So, God doesn't love you more because you obey, but you experience more of his love if you obey. So, for example, as a father, I, I had a great time planned for my daughter yesterday. But she wouldn't have entered into that plan if she wouldn't have met the requirements. So I told her, if you want to come out with me, you got to brush her hair, you got to get, you got to get dressed, you got to look nice, you can't, this is not, we're not, I want you to... I'm trying to teach her something. I'm trying to teach her something. I'm training her to listen and to understand that blessing follows obedience. This is what I'm trying to take. I took her to a really nice store. They gave her water. I go, I want you to see that. They said, oh, it's your birthday. Oh, they gave her perfume testers. I wanted her to experience that. So I'm, as a father, I have good things planned for my daughter, for my kids. But if they don't listen, they won't receive. That doesn't change my love for them. It changes their ability to receive what I have for them. And it's the same way with Father God. Father God has good things for his kids. Now, will, will it come with some persecution or some difficulty? Sure, it will. But you'll have persecution in the world anyway. If you succeed in the world, you'll get criticized. Um, you know, if, if you have, if you succeed in the outside world, you'll have haters or whatever. People have a lot of imaginary haters. It's like you get up and go to work every day. Nobody's hating on you, bro. You know, if you have a 400-foot yacht in the Bahamas, we might be hating on you. But right now, you got to get up and go to work when someone else tells you to go to work. We're not hating that bad on you. So, so people have a lot of imaginary haters because they have insecurities in their hearts. So don't live from your insecurities. Let God heal you. But God wants us as his kids to participate with the good things that he has for us. And so one of the things that you have to really see and know, you have to know this by revelation. You cannot know this in your head. You have to know this in your heart. And then when it gets deep into your heart, it'll work its way up into your head. This is the longest 18 inches in the world. The longest 18 inches with the most traffic jams. <laughs> to, to, to get the truth of, the, of what God says in the word of God into your heart, back up to your head so that your reflexes and responses are godly. 
As soon as that thing broke out, I knew God is about to bless me. I said, I already know how this works. This is, this is, I said, <laughs> praise the Lord, you know. So anyway, all right, John 5, Jesus heals a guy who's lame and the religious people want to kill him. <laughs> There's a reward for faithfulness, right? You, you have, Jesus sets his life apart for, to, to be a conduit of God's power. We know he's fully God, fully man. He, he, he did not do any work in the kingdom until his father promoted him and put him into ministry. Sons do not promote themselves. If you're trying to promote yourself, that's an orphan spirit. You have to get healed of that. Sons are promoted by the father. God is the one that brings people forward. If you try to put yourself forward, that's indecent exposure. Many times people try to, because of their hunger and their ambition, they, they get ahead of themselves and you can damage yourself like that. That's one of the, the, the promises. People don't realize this. One of the promises of tithing is not that God will just open up the windows of heaven. Everyone says that. Ah! You know, that's great. I hope that happens. You know, there's also doors in heaven and windows. I want them all open to me. You know, I'm climbing up there and I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm hungry. So I get all that. But yet, one of the promises of tithing is that you would not bear fruit. Your vines will not bear fruit before their time. Which means that God will not give you something that will overtop you and turn you over and destroy you and make a fool out of you. Because you know what a blessing can do? A blessing can make, you can make a fool of yourself with a blessing. Many people have done it. Many men of God, many women of God, athletes, rappers, they're worth $60 million, they're broke. That's, that, honestly, that's dumb. God doesn't want you to make a fool out of yourself. Okay, so Jesus is engaging with the, the religious uh, folks, and they're, they're really not happy with him. And he says this, then Jesus in John 5, 19 says, Then Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself, but whatever he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. So this is, Jesus said, If you've seen me, later on in John, you have seen who? The Father. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look into that today a little bit. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if people see us, they should see Jesus. So, but let me, let me give you something to understand. It's not more of him and less of you. No. No. John the Baptist said that and he got his head chopped off. That was because he fulfilled his assignment. It's this way. All of him covering all of you. It's not you being broken or diminished. It's him filling you with him. So you are the unique expression of you. But the essence of you is him. So you still look like you, dress like you, have you. He doesn't want to kill you in that sense. What he wants to destroy in our life is the sinful things that will destroy our humanity and will bring pain to the people we love the most. So, so it's him covering all of you. It's not less of him, less of me. And the, like, that's, that's good. That was John the Baptist's season. But in the season of the kingdom... It's all of him covering all of us and the unique gifts, talents, and skills that he has given you flowing through his character and his power and his virtue, but through you. So it's him in you 
for the world. The same way Jesus came to reveal and demonstrate the Father. Now, this is really interesting because the world is full of orphans. If you think that you have to go to Africa or to Brazil, you know the nation of Brazil has 10 million orphans? 10 million. Brazil. 10 million. So if you think that you have to go to Africa to find orphans or Haiti, there's plenty of orphans. They're in Armani suits. They live in sky rises. They live in big houses in the burbs. They get, you know, lip job, head job, breast job, all types of jobs. There's orphans everywhere. They got fake eyebrows. They got all, you know, they, I mean, they got all types of orphans. And God wants to heal that orphan. Because that orphan is, it lives in fear. The orphan seeks approval. The orphan lives from lack. The orphan desires to please people because he thinks that that's where the promotion is coming from. What God is looking to produce in us is sons and daughters. Sons and daughters are secure in the love that their father has for them. Someone who is secure, you can't jostle them. Because what you say about them, they don't live from that. <laughs> you know, there's someone, you know, sometimes someone will come at you. I'll say, that's your opinion of me, not my opinion of me. <laughs> and that's certainly not God's opinion of me because I might be crazy, but he likes me. That's what matters. That's what matters. God's opinion, not even our opinion of ourselves. Anyway, for the father loves the son. This is what I want to get into and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead, to, the dead and gives life to them, even the son gives life to whom he will. The father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. And that all, that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So he's going at the religious Jews and saying, if you don't honor the son, you don't honor the father. That's why... When you see a conflict in Israel, you have to pray for them because they're lost. When you see, when you see people blowing up people with the rockets, if they don't get saved, they're going, to spend to, they're going to spend forever in hell together. So, so like, it, you need to, like, pray because when, when war breaks out, it creates widows and orphans. And there's nothing good that really comes from war. So we should, we should really pray for not only the Jewish people, but also the people in Gaza, because what is happening there is very terrible, and I'm going to get off that now. I said it, and there, there we go. So the scripture here says this, the father loves the son. So the, the Greek word for love is the word phileo, which is a benevolent affection that we get over time. So I cannot just phileo you as I meet you once. I can show you the unconditional agape of God. I can show you the kindness of God. But, I, but phileo love is a love that grows as you spend time with someone, as you build history with someone. One of the things that's really profound is that nothing can replace history. See? So Jesus is saying that the Father loves the Son and shows him or reveals all things to him. So Jesus knew something. Jesus understood that the revelation that he had in ministry, that the insight that he had in terms of what he should do and how he should represent the Father was an expression of 
the Father's love for him. Are you, are you, are you tracking with me? Okay. This is very important because sometimes people, people many times don't get the message. So if I take my daughter and I get her sneakers, now part of that is I'm, I'm her dad, I'm responsible for that. But the reality of that, the very essence of it, it is an expression of my love for her, of my value for her, right? So when God blesses you, whether it's monetarily, when God blesses you with, this is one of the most clear blessings that most people who are not spiritually alert don't see. One of the ways God blesses you is with people. The, the checks that have come, they're already gone. But the people that they come through and with remain. So one of the things that I pray is that God help me to handle your word faithfully, your people gently, and the resources that you've given me with wisdom. That's one of my prayers personally. So one of the, one of, one of the things that people don't see is that sometimes your future is sitting right in front of you or right beside you or two rows in front of you or three rows behind you. In other words, the person that is central to you growing and breaking through in your life could be sitting right in front of you, but can you see that person? There, there could be someone right here that has something for your future to unlock your future, as Abner says. And, and, and you, if you don't discern that, if you don't know who to reach out to, you, you will hold yourself hostage without humility. Without humility, we're stuck. Humility makes you attractive to God. Humility says, oh, I'm coming for you. Oh, I'm coming for you. It may take a while, but I'm coming for you. And so we're going we're gonna to actually look at that. Daniel 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a message was revealed or uncovered. The same almost the same word that is used in Revelation 1, the revelation of Jesus to uncover, right here. But different languages, but the same Message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. So in the culture, the culture called him Belshazzar, but God called him Daniel. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood this message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, nor meat, nor wine, uh, nor came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold, the gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl. His face was the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like torches of fire. His arms and feet were like burnished bronze. In color, and the sound of his words were like the voice of a multitude. <laughs> and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me. 
for my vigor and uh, was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees, on the palm of my hands, uh, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. <laughs> man greatly beloved. Man who is greatly loved. Both of these men, both John and Daniel, who had uncommon revelation concerning the Lord Jesus and the future, both understood one critical thing that is essential to you lasting, to longevity, to fruitfulness. You're loved by God. But you say, well, you don't know what I did last summer. You're loved by God. Well, you don't know what, I, you know what was done to me. You're loved by God. Well, you don't know my struggle. You're loved by God. I don't really believe God. <laughs> You're loved by God. <laughs> I don't really believe you. You're loved by God. <laughs> I don't really like you. You're loved by God. I don't really like me. I know. You're loved by God. You know, we like to squirm. But what I found about the, the Father is the Father is someone who embraces you and holds you till you start squirming. Because He really wants you to know you're loved. Can I tell you that it, when you get a breakthrough, everyone, we need a breakthrough. Christmas is coming. Breakthrough. When you get a breakthrough, do you know that it's not about a breakthrough? That's an expression of God's love for you. It's not about material things. That is an expression of God saying, I know what you value, but more than that, I value you. I know you waited a real long time for what you have right now, but I'm only getting started. See? For God, it's personal. God wants you to know your... Do you know that if you know that you're loved, you will behave very differently? Very differently. Someone who is deeply known by God and loved by God, will have a level of resilience in their spirit that is not natural. So you have a natural willpower and you have a natural level of fight in you. But I'm not talking about something natural. I'm talking about something that is supernatural. You, you, if you know, if you experience the love that God has for you, You'll never be the same. This was what Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, that they would experience the depth and the height and the breadth and the length of the love of God in Jesus. Okay. Let's continue. 
Oh, he said, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. In other words, before I even give you the revelation, let's start with what matters most and let's start with why I'm giving you the revelation. Oh, greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you while he was speaking this word to me. I stood trembling. L let me just say this to you. This was a man that watched God shut the mouth of lions. This was a man who saw his buddies thrown into a furnace and not burned. In fact, the people that threw them in, they burn. The people that try to throw us into the furnace, they burn, not us. <laughs> Don't ever try to throw one of God's people into a furnace. You'll burn. Be very careful. <laughs> so anyway, that's another story. Then he said, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. I have come because of your words. Listen to that. I have come because of your words. I have come for what you speak. You're not... Daniel's, this is what I want to show you, the position of Daniel's heart and the words that came out of his mouth caused God himself, the second person of the Godhead, the eternal word, the eternal son, to come off of his throne and talk to him face to face. Listen. The position of of your heart will either attract God or repel him. God will wait till life puts enough pressure on you. If you have kids, you see this. They come and they try to attack you and you're wrestling with them. One of the things we do like that is that, that neutralizes them, that they get down. If you ever wrestle with your kids, you know. If you haven't had that, you'll have it. It'll be great. And I do it with Elijah and he, he, he needs more pressure. And then God, as a father, will, he loves you. The same one who says, oh, greatly beloved, that one will embrace you. Yeah, he'll do that. But he'll also allow life to press you until humility is produced from the pressing. Until you're like, I'm going. You know, until, and that's good because then God goes, I can get started. From that moment, God works. Now, if you read the text, it took 21 days for the breakthrough to come. But from that moment, everything shifted. So sometimes there's a moment in the spirit. This is why you have to learn how to pray in the spirit. You have to learn how to pray in the spirit because you may feel a shift in the spirit. Something breaks and it's on its way. So you, you pray. Listen, we're old school. We pray until we feel a shift. 
We cry until we, we know. Yesterday I laid on my stomach until my ribs hurt. And I got meat. We pray. You, 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 listen, if you think that you can be a spectator Christian and you, and you can just come and drop a little money in the bucket and feel good about yourself. No, no, no. You, you really need to press in. Now, one of the things I, I want to show you here, let, let's, let's continue. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been uh, left alone there with the kings of Persia. He's talking about the spiritual world. I don't know if you're knowing that. He's talking about what is going on in the second heaven. So in the earth, there's three heavens. You have the heavens like the stars and the sun and the moon. You have that heaven, and then you have the second heaven, which is where darkness is. This is the demonic realm. And then you have the third heaven, which is where the throne of God is, which is where God is. In, in, in the heavenlies, plural, heavenly. So he, he's, and we're, we're, guess where we're seated? How can I be in West New York and be seated in heavenly places? The mind of Christ. Which means my head is in the clouds, my feet are on the ground. Okay. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I had been left alone with, uh, with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. So what Daniel was seeing had nothing to do with what he himself was experiencing at that moment. Now this is where I want to go back to. It says that it was on the first month, the 24th of the first month. You know what that is? That's Nisan. Not like Nissan, like <laughs> may you have infinities, not Nissans. But but no no no, that's not what this is talking about. <laughs> no no, that's Passover. Hold on. Daniel is mourning during a feast. Listen, hold on, wait a second. Daniel lives in a palace. Daniel does not have the same problems as those people have that he's praying for. <laughs> Daniel is living outside of that situation because he serves the king and Daniel lives in a palace. But, the people of God do not live in a palace. Why well, the pastor got to be blessed? <laughs> Daniel, I don't live in a palace yet, but it's a little embassy. <laughs> Still an embassy. It's just a little embassy. But now Daniel lives in a palace, yet the people are suffering. Daniel is not self-absorbed and going, oh, well, I'm doing good. I got a feast. I got a party. I got... He has full access to unlimited whatever he wants. So he can just be like, that's not my problem. That's your problem, not my problem. But no, he has a heart for God's people. 
Listen, if, if you, one of the things that you, when your heart is right toward God, what God cultivates in you is a heart for his people. I think about, okay, who can I bless this week? Who can I be a blessing to? Who can I encourage? I, I, I think of that. Why? Because you, I don't know if you maybe don't feel like God's people, but you are God's kids. I'm serious. You're like, <laughs> I don't feel like it. I, I mean, I'm not talking about what you feel like. I'm saying if you believe in Jesus, you are a child of God, which means that God has assumed moral responsibility for you. God is morally obligated to take care of me. Bless you. God himself is morally obligated to take care of me. And in every season, he has taken care of us. In every season. Now, it hasn't always been what I need and what I want, but it has always been, we have always been taken care of. We have never wanted or lacked. I can tell you stories. One day I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell it, but right now is not that day. We have so many stories from the very beginning. All right. Now, let me go. I switched the wrong page. Okay. When I heard, when he had spoken such words, verse 15, to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For now can this servant of my Lord talk with me, my Lord. As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man, greatly beloved. <laughs> God is saying, wait, we're not going to change the subject. You know, some people, when they deflect, they want to <laughs> talk about it. Zoe, when she was young and she was when I would be holding her accountable, she goes, let's not talk about it. <laughs> they want to change the subject. They don't want to talk. God says, oh, man. Greatly beloved. So now Jesus, the second person of the God, is telling him. Now the angel is telling him. This is an angel. The, 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 the white, the linen thing is, 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 is. Anyway. All right. So it's like, Daniel, are you getting the message? You know, it's like your wife. She calls you. She tells you. She texts you. It's like, there's an email telling you. It's like, are you getting the message? It's like, all right. So God is very good at getting the message. Okay. Oh man, greatly beloved. I want you to, I want you to, you, you know what? Like everyone does like positive affirmations and like look in the mirror like you're going to make it today. You know what you should really start your day with? Put your hand on your heart and say, I am deeply loved by God. The maker of heaven and earth, the sustainer and the creator of everything 
the one who will judge the living and the dead. I am deeply loved by God. The more that gets into you, the more orphan gets out of you. The more the poverty mentality, the mentality of lack, the I have to be in competition with, I've got I've to size me up to you. You don't know you're loved. You have, to, you, you have to know you are deeply loved by God. All right. And he said, O oh man, greatly beloved, fear not. What does perfect love cast out? Fear. If you have fear, guess who can manipulate you? Satan. Satan always uses fear to hustle you with money. Fear goes up, price goes up. You have to watch. Don't let the devil hustle you. Peace to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds with me against these things except Michael, your prince. So Michael was the, was the angelic angel that watched over the nation of Israel. So now, oh my God. Oh, that's not even right. Oh, that's it, not even right. So anyway, I hate that clock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's what happens. Daniel's in a good situation. He's doing well. He's seen miracles. He's seen breakthrough, but he has a problem. You know his problem? He's a eunuch. very painful. I just think about that. Sad. So he's a eunuch, which means in the, the ancient Near East, Persia, Babylon, uh, you know, Iraq, uh, Iran, uh, you know, although that, that Middle Eastern vibe, he has no future. Because he has no children. Yet God dignifies him and shows him the future. God, let me tell you one of the things. God, God will meet you right in the place of your pain. That's the thing about Jesus that's different than any other false thing. Any other false thing, you got to pretend. You got to perform. You got, you got to, you, Jesus goes, no, no, you're totally jacked up, messed up. I'll, I'll meet you right there, no problem. This guy... He doesn't have a future. He has no children. He has no posterity. He, he has no legacy except faith. And what does God do? God shows the man the future who in the natural has no future. He does it in Revelation too, which I don't think we can fully. 
This is madness. <laughs> anyway. So, all right, let's go back. So what's happening? Daniel understands the prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah said that you would be in Babylon 70 years. Daniel is old at this time. This is the second regime that he served. He first served Babylon. Babylon overplayed their hand on Israel. Persia came in. I'm talking about literal world history, just so you know. This is not like a fairy tale. Like, this is like, go research this, you know, like, go fact check me. Like, this actually happened, you know. And, and then what he's saying at the end is that the, 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 the prince of Greece is, is coming in. Which is Alexander the Great. And when you, when you read the rest of the prophecy, the prophecy, he does not, Alexander the Great, he does not give the kingdom later to his children he gives it to generals. It's all here. Like it's all before that happened. Like the level of prophetic foreknowledge in the Bible you will not find anywhere else in any other book in all of the world. Fact check that. I'm talking about history. I'm not talking about feelings. I'm not talking about, well, I heard a voice at night. I'm talking about, no, no, we're talking about world history because Assyria came in, split Israel because of Solomon. They never recovered from Solomon's prosperity. Israel never recovered from Solomon's prosperity. The Bible says the prosperity of fools will destroy them. Prosperity is a lot more dangerous than being broke. It's a lot more alluring. It's a lot more distracting. It's a lot more dangerous than struggling. Because when you struggle, you pray and you sweat. But when you have stuff, you start. <laughs> you know, so you get, you're like, and then a train comes. You know, and you back to humble mode. You know, so they come and repossess your truck. You know, you're like you're praying. You know. And uh, so, you, you know, you have to really watch out. So anyway, Daniel, this is, let's go back to the whole story. Daniel is mourning because he's looking at the people of God who are in a crisis. They are, some of them, we don't fully know why he's mourning, but really smart people think that he's mourning for, uh, because there's a holdup in the rebuilding of uh, the temple or the wall. One of those, something related to, or he's mourning because of some of the captives that were released back from Babylon didn't want to go. They had become comfortable in bondage. Like remember when, when the children of Israel had came out, they were in the wilderness, they began to long for Egypt and cry out for Egypt. The wilderness will test you to the very fabric of your being where you will cry out for Egypt if, you don't, if your heart is not settled on the promise. The wilderness will prove you and humble you and test you and teach you one main thing. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And all you need to focus on is Jesus and what he's saying. That's it. Everything else is details. Good or bad, happy or sad, details, that's it. What matters is the preceding word that is coming from the mouth of God. God said, go to Haiti. God says, I'll make a way. God says, do this, I'll make a way. God says, do that. I'm, so all that matters is that we're listening to him and we're moving in that direction. So Daniel is in a crisis 
not because of his crisis, but because of God's people's crisis. So if you want to be a leader, you have to have the heart for the people. You have to bless people that curse you. Pray for people that you just, and, you, and it has to become natural. It has to become, because supernaturally it becomes natural because people that curse you or people that are, it's that they're living with that. They're not bad people. They just, that's, that's their condition. So the last thing they need to do is be cursed by you. <laughs> they're already cursed by them. So at least bless them and let them move on. You know, if you got to block them or delete them, fine. But pray for them and, and just move on because you cannot let their bondage affect how you're going to live. But yet Daniel was touched because there is a testimony that is attached to God's people. The thing that me and my wife dream most about is not a big house and not a better car. The thing that we have always, 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 always dreamed about together is an overcoming church. In other words, the full potential of the people of God realized and manifested. Do you realize that all the other things are a natural byproduct of that? So instead of being focused on the byproduct, I'm focused on the people. Because if you, if, if you, for example, if you're in ministry for what you can get, you'll abuse people. We just saw it again. National news. More is going to come out soon. You're going to be shocked. It's coming. Judgment starts at the house of God. It's coming. Amen. Get your house in order. It's coming. Amen. The day of visitation, you know, that she was saying, oh, what a visitation. You know what a visitation is? A visitation is not God coming by with, with donuts <laughs> and Twinkies. A visitation is when God comes by with the inspection and looks and goes. When you, have, when, you, when, you, when you do a renovation on a house the right way, not the ghetto way, you have to have people inspect the pipes, the gas line. You know what they do? They spray Windex on the gas line to see if it bubbles. To see if there's a leak. They, they, they pressurize the waistline to see if there's going to be crap all over your you know, ceilings or not. Anything real will be tested. Anything valuable will be more tested. The more valuable something is, the more thorough the process of testing before it's released to market. So anyway, he identifies with the pain of God's people. And he goes into mourning, not for him, but for them. This week and last week, I had intense mourning. Not for me, because I'm doing really great. I've never been doing better, actually. But I'm looking at things, and I'm going, oh, this is, this is heartbreaking. This is really a reproach on believers. Some people don't know what I'm talking about, which is better. It's like, it's good. If you don't know what I'm talking about, great. Like, you know, and, and, and it's really like, it's, so Daniel has the heart of God for God's people. He knows living in Babylon, living in bondage, 
being set free and not wanting to go free. Do you know how many Christians are like that? They live in bondage six years, eight years, ten years in bondage when God paid for them to be free. There are things happening now that should have happened eight years ago. It's my fault. There are things... Do you know people become accustomed and conditioned for bondage? It would be like if you have a little dog in a cage and you open the cage and the dog stays in the cage. That is like a lot of believers. Jesus says, no, I've opened the cage. I want you free. And you, you have pooped in that cage, peed in that cage. You have made yourself comfortable in your own mess in that cage. And when there's an opportunity to run, you stay. That is what Daniel is looking at, the children of Israel. Babylon was releasing them. Some of them stayed. They would rather be in Babylon than their own land. You know why? Because people don't want the fight of something new. They get used to bondage. And I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to sound mean or critical. I'm not trying to be judgy. But many Christians live like that. It's like starving to death at a buffet. Many Christians are anemic spiritually. They're anemic. They're not... They don't eat. They're emaciated. So when, when life hits them, flesh comes out. Fear comes out. Anger comes out. Bitterness, because they're not, because that's what they're full of. But when, when life touches you and the word comes out, it's because that's you're full of the spirit. That's what the spirit is, is word. The, the, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So you have to get yourself accustomed to eating. One of the beauties of eating is eating pushes out waste. Amen. Right? Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you eat some of, some of the things in your life that you have done to yourself or that have done to you, some of those things will come out just by eating. You, you know, you read the word and it challenges you how you think about things. How you think about money. Okay, I'll just get into debt to make more money. No, you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. There's nowhere in the Bible that the Bible speaks about that. Nowhere. In fact, the Bible says that the borrower is a servant to the lender. Do you know how God transformed Monica's mind? Monica, I screenshotted this the other day. She doesn't know this, but I, I did. She posted something on Instagram. And she said that we are the lenders, not the borrowers. Listen to me. Monica used to hate white people and be a communist. And communists villainize wealth and villainize not only white people, but wealthy people. That is a shift in worldview in her heart because of the word of God. If that is the thing that is in your mind and that is the thing that's coming into your mouth, then there's things that are moving toward you because that is the law of sowing and reaping. Your words are seeds too. People think sowing and reaping is only about money. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Everything in life is a seed. I planted seeds last week, and I will get a harvest this week. Watch me. You'd be like, people are like, 
<laughs> you just stick around, open your eyes, you'll see. <laughs> oh, yeah, just look alive. Because I, I believe God, so I move in faith and I'm planting seeds, whether they're words, whether it's an act of generosity, whether it's kindness. You, you want to think about what do you want in your future? Who do you want in your future? There's some people in your past that don't belong in your future. There's some people that there's no room for them in your future. That doesn't mean, oh, I'm better. No, no, no. Always show love to everyone. But just because you show love to someone doesn't mean they live in your house. There's people in your past that are not, they're not for your future. Like the Lord is giving Brett new people for his future. Right now. New people. It's, it's difficult, watch this, it's difficult to fail when you're surrounded by success. Why? Because success becomes normal. When you hang out with people who give away Mercedes Benzes, who give away Rolexes, who give away buildings, when you hang out with people that write people $10,000 checks, $50,000 checks, people who send people to college, when you, when you hang out with people that feed orphans in Haiti, when you hang out with people, when you hang out with people who obey God, guess what becomes normal in your life? Obedience. If you interact with people not minister to, I'm not talking about minister, you love everyone, we're not better than anyone, you have to hear that. But if you're constantly with people that are in the rat race, all you are is a faster or bigger rat, maybe. So, so now I'm trying to, I'm trying to say something, it's not an accident that when Daniel had favor on his life, the favor that Daniel got through not compromising, he said, I'm not eating the king's delicacies. I'm not doing that. <clears throat> Daniel, it says, and God brought Daniel into favor. Say Daniel. Daniel. Immediately, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had positions. See, that's what favor does. When you have favor... It's not just for you, it's to open the door for others. So if you're in ministry for what you can give, you'll equip people. If you're in ministry for what you can take, you'll abuse people. And it's the same thing if you're in business for what you can contribute, you'll have prosperity in your business. If you're in your marriage for what you can give, not what you can take, You'll have a better marriage. Imagine if both of you come to the table. Hey, here's how I, I will ask my wife. Not every day, but I ask her, how can I make your life better today? What can I do today that will make your life better? I'm very simple. I need food and sex. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm not a very complicated person. <laughs> you know, it's like I, don't, I don't require that much, you know. But I need, I need that's what I need. And so what can I do to make your life better? Now, if you both are saying to each other, what can I do to make your life better? What can I do to make your life better? Guess what happens? Life gets better. Right? If I come to the table, 
I want to bless you with this, and I, I want to bless you with that. And you now, now there's a flow. See, there's a flow of blessing because we're coming to the table for what we can give, not for what we can take. So anyway, Daniel is greatly, dear Lord, Daniel, I did not even get to my second scripture. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so, all right, I'm sweating like a dog. Whew. I'm overheating here. All right, so now that's too much information. All right. So now the angel comes to him. Wait, 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 wait. We're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go back to this for a second. So he sees Jesus. Here's what I want to get into. I cannot preach. I'm gonna do part two next week. Daniel sees in part what John sees in full. When you, <laughs> when you look at the revelation of Jesus in Daniel 10, the description is longer in Revelation 1. Fact check me, I've looked at this carefully. So, so th this is very important. God is getting ready to show them the same period of time. But, watch this, I'm going to read this verse. I'm not going to read all of it. Some of you are like, praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, it's all right, I ain't mad at you. So, Revelation 1. Watch the great dignifier again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which he has given to show his servants. You know that word servants? English is not a good language. That's not servants. It's the doulos. It's the slaves. The slaves of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean like he whips you and beats you and like that. It's that those who have willingly, fully, Submitted themselves to him. Unreservedly. Not well. Sunday. Maybe Wednesday if I'm really getting deep. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I have willingly and fully and completely given myself. Because remember, slaves live with their masters and they were at their beck and call all the time. In fact... Animals have more rights in America today than slaves had in Rome. That's a fact. Slaves were not spoken to and were not dignified. They didn't know what their master was doing. They didn't have any authority, nothing. They were just told what to do. And there was rules in, 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 in Rome if a slave would get free, and slavery was not about um, color or ethnicity, it was about war. So you have white slaves, black slaves, any slave. Different shapes. <laughs> so, so, so basically, if a slave would become free, they would have to pay a freedom tax to the magistrate. So in addition to paying for their freedom, they would have to pay a tax to Rome to then be free. But the scripture says, Galatians says, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. There's no tax he paid. Amen. Amen. 
See, people don't. So this is really something. Now, you can research this. Now, there was also in those days, because there was extra cruel people. So extra cruel people, what they had is they had statues in Rome for asylum. Okay, which means let's say if I was Isaac's slave and Isaac was real extra mean and nasty to me, he just beat me and stuff, and I he like burned me with cigarettes, and I'm like really, you know, I'm all disjointed. I can flee from his house and I can go stand by one of those statues for refuge. See, when we talk about politics, pol politics are religion. You cannot separate your political views. From your faith. I'm not saying any party fully represents our faith. I'm saying Jesus does. But there, there is a level of worship. And there is a level. Of, there's a very profound level. Um, of, of, of politics and faith. And faith and politics. And there's a real. And Jesus just so you know. He has more political names than religious. King of kings. Lord of lords. Prince of peace. Uh, the Messiah. That's a, that's a, those are all those are all political names. He has more political names than religious names. That's a whole other message. People are like I don't want to talk about that. Oh yeah. Well, the devil's talking about it. And everything we don't talk about, the devil does. And every time you don't have a word from God, the devil does. Every time you say silent, the devil doesn't. All right, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Shortly take place. People, people are like, they don't read shortly take place. DK has a revelation of shortly take place. You know what shortly take place means? Shortly. <laughs> I personally think that this was written in the 60s, not the 90s. And there's very smart people, a lot smarter than me, that think that, just so you know. N.T. Wright and, you know, just the greatest New Testament scholar alive. <laughs> okay. So this is the thing that's really interesting. The revelation that you're going to see of Jesus, which I'm not going to preach it this week out of respect for the children's church workers. The revelation that God gave Daniel, God also gave John. What God said to John and what God says to Daniel is about the same time. But it always starts out with knowing your love. Do you know what John called himself? The disciple who Jesus loved. Love will always outlast workers. Lovers will always outwork workers. Lovers will always outlast performers. Lovers. I have a friend. Uh, his name was Friolito, which means little bean in Spanish. And he was from... Uh, FBI in, 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 the, in the Western Heights. And his family moved to Little Ferry. And after I was walking with the Lord 10 years, he said something to me. He said, Pops, my friends used to call me Pops. I've always been Daddy. 
He was like, Pops, I know it's real. I'm like, why is that? He said, because you never came back. I said, I didn't fall in love with rules. I fell in love with Jesus. When, when, you, when you love something, when you love someone, it's easy. I'm not saying the way is easy. The way is not easy. But the decision is easy because of love. Both of these men that are going to see a very turbulent future for God's people are people who knew they were loved. This is something I, I cannot, I, I don't have, I, I don't have full language to say what I want to say, which is frustrating. <laughs> Sometimes I go on and on. It's like, I, how, can I, how can I say this? Sometimes tears only say it. And, but, but your revelation of Jesus is your ability to overcome every adversity because he did. Your life will never outperform your revelation of Jesus. Who Jesus really is to you will be seen in how you live your life. So if Jesus is king, that's not a Kanye West album. If Jesus is king, you'll keep it in the pants. Hey, if Jesus is king, you'll give. If Jesus is king, you'll serve. If Jesus is king, you'll forgive. If Jesus is king, you know what you'll do? You will admit when you are wrong. I did it last week. There's no shame in it. In fact, it lifts shame. <laughs> Thank you. Seeing Jesus, that's the solution. When he shows up with burning eyes, that everything, listen to me, everything is naked in his sight. Which means, no wiggling. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, I'm great. Yeah, sure. <laughs> doing the Harlem Shake out there like... You're lying to us. Everything ain't great. Everything is naked to his sight. In other words, he sees who we really are and still loves us. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's pretty intense. <laughs> it's like, he's like, I know you're crazy. I still chose you. <laughs> like you think of Peter. Peter is cutting a guy's ear off. <laughs> Peter's like, Peter. <laughs> you know, like, I guess just look at him. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to put this guy's ear back so I can die for everyone, Peter. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. You know, and, and the last bit of ministry that Jesus does is heal people who his people hurt. Listen, I really, the one thing I don't want to do, I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to hurt people. 
I don't mean to offend you. I don't mind offending you. But I don't want to hurt people. You don't want to do damage to people that God loves. You need the fear of the Lord not to, not to hurt people. Now, if people get offended at the truth, that's not your problem. You're not hurting them. In fact, they're hurting themselves. But, but we don't want to hurt people. In this church, we want, we want to handle people with graciousness and, and, and stuff. So anyway, anyway, uh, let's wrap this up. But remember, God shows the future to a guy who has no future. And now, God is showing the future and speaking to the doulosas, to the slaves, to those who have no rights. God is revealing to them what he's doing. God is a great dignifier of the lost, the least, the last, the left out, the overlooked. So you may feel, that's me. And you know what? Not to God. God says you're greatly loved. God says you're greatly loved. Now, here's, what, here's how truth works. Truth, you need to digest truth. Like you need to marinate on truth. Remember when the angel came to Mary and says, and she kept all of these things in her heart? Truth is something that you need to digest, you need to speak out, you need to pray about, you need to journal about, you need to write about it because if you interact with truth, this is what I want to get to you, truth will change how you feel. And whether you acknowledge this or I acknowledge this or not, our responses come from how we feel. Yesterday, I was feeling end of the rope. I had a great day, but I was just done. I don't know if you ever just physically, just mentally done. I mean, never every day, every day, every day, three times. You know? so, so I was in that place, and I had a great day, like terrific day. I got a haircut. I went to sneakers. I got Zoe. We did bubble tea. We did, you know, we we're doing great. But at the end of the day, I just needed to just get on the floor and worship. When I got up off that floor, it was like a young stallion again. I was like, woo! Yeah, I was ready to roll because when you refocus on Jesus, he refreshes your soul. Now, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're refreshed, you'll operate differently if you're empty. When you're empty, it's not, it's not healthy. Your responses are not, are not good, you know, and then I don't want you to be cranky to the people that, you know, love me the most and I love the most because of what? So it's just get yourself refreshed. All right, we're done. We're going to continue this next week, but the, the, I'm laying the foundation for Jesus reveals himself and then he's going to show them a future and then he's going to address things in his church but everything he addresses is for a reason. Like, I'll give you an example. I'm going to give you a, a, a prelude. Is, that, is it a prelude? Preview. Preview. 
when Jesus deals with the corrupt church, it's not America. <laughs> when Jesus deals with the corrupt church, he starts by saying this. These things says the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire. Oh, I'm looking right into it all. <laughs> and I can see it all. So, what am I saying? The revelation of Jesus is the thing that empowers you to change what is wrong. So that's beautiful because I cannot change me looking at me. That's really depressing. <laughs> look at yourself, you're like... <laughs> but if you look at Jesus, that is the power to change. So when he looks at their corruption, he lets them know about his eyes. Anytime he deals with something, the revelation of who he is is the solution to what is wrong with them. All here. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your mercy in our life and that we didn't choose you, but you chose us. And so, Lord, we honor your choice and we want to choose you back. Some of you are just entering into following Jesus and I just say, you're welcome. And you're going to be on a journey and if you embrace the journey, your life will never be the same. And as those of you who are saying yes and you keep saying yes, your life is never be the same, will never be the same. Our life will never be the same as the Lord establishes his testimony in our lives and in this body. So Lord, we embrace everything you have in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.